Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Touchdown Denver. It is me, George Stoya, with the Denver Gazette, along with my good pal Nick Ferguson. And Nick, burn it down. Hit the panic button. Um, the Broncos are bad. And I, look, Nick, I don't even I don't even know where to start with the loss last night. 12 to 9 to the Colts. Uh no touchdowns scored. I, I believe it's the first NFL game uh since I want to say December 19th of 2021. Saints Buccaneers 9 to 0 in that game. Um Nick <laughs> was bad. I Nick, I have watched look, I look, I'm young, I get it. I'm 26 years old, but I've watched a lot of football in my young life. That is yeah. arguably the worst football game I have watched in my life. If people are still subscribing to Amazon Prime after that game. It is a shame. I mean, that was that was awful. I don't I don't think I've ever watched a worse football game than that. And and to be honest, Nick, I've also not covered the Broncos for very long, right? I've only this is Whoa. my I think third season covering the Broncos. That is by far the worst loss I have ever watched in my time covering the Broncos. Wow, that 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 um, that says a lot, George. You're you're worse, but but you did you did say that you've only been covering the Broncos for uh, a short period of time. So I'm mm-hmm. sure if we were to go back and revisionist history, we would see that there are some other games that you'd be disappointed with. But because this is the game that we saw, America saw on Thursday Night Football, I would agree with you, man. This is very disappointing. And when you talk about hitting the panic button, that's the only thing that I would uh, you know, look at differently from you and maybe most of Broncos country. I'm not going to hit a panic button. And the reason I'm not hitting a panic button because I guess that's just the, the ex-player, ex-coach and me not wanting to hit the panic button and just saying, okay, like you said, burn it all down. I, I really don't want to do that, but I, but I will allow my hand to hover, all right, hover over that panic button because we're not seeing an improvement on the opposite side of the ball. Let's just be totally honest. Now, we can look at Russell Wilson and his uh, two inceptions inside the red zone and put a lot of the blame on him, but I'm not going to do it because this is still a team game. But for me, when I look at this offense, it is still struggling. And I know that thing Hackett gets up there every single week and, you know, he, he sells us this idea that it's close. It's going to get better. Yeah. I mean, look, I believe it's going to get better. I, I truly believe that, but we are not at that juncture right now because the type of ball that we're seeing offensively, it is um, pedestrian. 
right? I was searching for uh, the proper word here without saying something I don't want to say or I would regret, George, but it is pedestrian. Yeah, and and look, Nick, when I say, I look, the season is not over in in any, any stretch of the imagination, right? That's not what I'm saying, but I do think there is a part of me that's like, this could go south really quickly for the Broncos, and that's why I'm hitting the panic button, especially like, and, and to be clear, I'm hitting the panic button on the offensive side of the football. Like if there's two separate panic buttons, I'm, I'm hitting the offensive one, right? Because the defense is playing phenomenal. Like there's yeah. no question about it. The defense has played well enough to win nearly every football game. Maybe you could argue they didn't play well enough to beat the Raiders, right? But they played great football last night. They've got, they got two turnovers. Uh, you know, they, they forced them to punt several times. You know, they held them to six points until two minutes left in the game. Uh, until Russell Wilson throws the interception in the in the end zone, and here's here's my biggest concern, Nick, is the offense is not getting better, and Russell Wilson just doesn't look like himself. And I know I've been like somebody that's like, be patient, be patient. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I'm starting to question if it's going to happen, Nick. Like I am questioning my sanity watching this football team because I just I think part of the issue is there's a, there's a lot of people out there blaming Nathaniel Hackett. And and look, when you're the head coach, you're going to get a lot of blame, especially in your first year. That's going to happen. He's going to go through some growing pains. But at some point, the nine-time Pro Bowler, Russell Wilson, the Super Bowl champion, has to play up to expectation. At least that's my view of it. Like, And here's the thing, Nick, watching the game, and, and tell me if you saw something differently when, when talking about Russell Wilson, there's guys open. And he's missing them sometimes. I mean, the last play of the game, uh, people are, are mad at Hackett for, you know, you know, being in shotgun. They should have ran the ball. And that may all be true. But the play that they dialed up, K.J. Hamler's wide open in the end zone, right? So, like, yeah. they win the game on that play call if Russell reads it right. So, part of me is like, listen, like, yeah, it, it's a Nathaniel Hackett pro- problem, but it's also a Russell Wilson issue and it, it's like the chicken or the egg conversation, right? Like it, it, it's one or the other for everybody. But like at the end of the day, it's both that that are the issue. Well, yeah, in, in that case, it is because you use that E word once again, expectations. The expectations were so high for Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, the, the combination of the duo of both individuals. And with the Broncos not really coming through, Yes, that's where the dust settles at the feet of those two individuals. And we'll, we'll dive into that uh, last play of the game in more detail. But from, for me, what I, what I saw from the play was, hey, here's Russell seeing that Cortland Sutton has always been his, uh, his dependable safety blanket, if you will. And he didn't even get an opportunity to look to that side. Automatically, his vision was to the left side of the field. But, but I'll tell you this really quickly. When I look at the design of that play, I don't feel though as though it was designed really well because here's what I mean by that. You have Jerry Judy and KJ Hammer off to your left, to your right-hand side. Then they ran some kind of uh, rub route, which freed up KJ Hamler. Great. Russ didn't see him. He was open and he worked the back of the end zone. Coming off your left side, you saw Cortland Sutton coming across, right? Now, Mike Boone had to check down uh, what we call the H burst. Well, that means that H back comes up and then he runs quickly to the flat to the right or left. So you had all those moving parts, but all of those guys were centrally 
bringing the defense into the middle of the field. See, I would have loved for those routes to create that space where you're taking guys out of the middle of the field, which would have made that throw easier with KJ Hamler working the back line of the end zone because, I mean, that's how Gilmore was able to come back into the play. Cortland brought him right to the play. And at first I was thinking, George, it was a sidearm by Russell. I was like, was he trying to throw that to KJ late and then Cortland came across? Or was that Cortland, hey, you know what? That was the way the route was designed. I'm still trying to figure that out. But overall, you look at Russell, you wanted a better throw. Maybe he should have saw um, KJ Hamler sooner, you know, on, on that particular route. But then also, I just, it's the play design. And the reason I keep harping on it, because I played this game for a long period of time. I coached this game for a long period of time. And I know once you get inside that red zone, you don't have that much real estate. So execution has to be flawless. Your quarterback has to move. And in the play itself, I personally, George, fourth and one, it's not like the clock, the, the clock is against you. You have all the momentum. It is fourth and freaking one, right? Why are you in somewhat of a shotgun instead of under center and pick up the one yard first? If you pick up the one yard and then you go back to that same play, the end of the game, I'm fine. But that is your game ending play. That play right there, I, I don't get it. I don't either, Nick. I don't either. I, you know, I would in the press box, I'm like, we'll just run the ball. I mean, Melvin had just broken off two two nice runs. Yeah. Uh and he was running the ball well. The offensive line was moving bodies. Like it was like it was a, it, to me it was a very simple just run the ball handed off here. And I wonder Nick, and I was thinking about this last night. I wonder if the play call, you know, had anything to do with the Seattle game. And what I mean by that, he took the ball out of Russell's hands on that 4th and 5 in Seattle. Kicked the field goal, obviously, and he got slammed for it. So I think tonight he said, you know what? It's fourth and one. I'm going to let it be in Russell Wilson's hands and see if he can make a play. The problem with that thinking is, one, I mean, again, I'm not saying that's what he was thinking, but I do think that may have played a factor last night. It's like, wait, well, we've been in this situation before. This time I'm going to make sure Russell gets to have the ball. The problem with that, it's a totally different situation. Yeah. Right? You're on the five-yard line. You need one yard. And there's, you're right. The clock doesn't matter at this point. There's like three minutes left in overtime. It does not matter. Uh, but I don't know, Nick. I don't know. It was bad. It was like I was in like disarray in the press box. Like this cannot be happening. Like this is the worst football game I've ever watched. And somehow the Broncos are going to lose to to honestly not a good Colts team. Uh, Nick, can you tell me the last time the Broncos did not score a touchdown in the game? I have the stat pulled up here, but can you tell me the last time the Broncos did not score a touchdown? Well, the first thing that comes to mind, I got to think back to the Tim Tebow days because Tim Tebow wasn't a great quarterback and that mm -hmm. offense pretty much uh, struggled and it was a defense that carried him. So I'm going to go with uh, Tim Tebow for 500. Nope, nope, nope. Not that far back, but it will not surprise you that it was uh, when they did not have a quarterback two years ago in the, uh, the, COVID, oh, the, the COVID game. Yeah, with yeah, the like, Kindle yeah. Hinton game. They yeah. lost 31 to 3 to Saints. So. They did. <laughs> that means that teams led by Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater scored. And I mean, it's just it's just baffling to me, Nick. Like there was there's people out there saying, like, if you would have put Joe Flacco and Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke out there last night and wearing the same jersey number, like people wouldn't have 
you know, batted an eye. Mm. That's how bad it was, Nick. That's how bad it was. Wow. wow. They, they had Russell Wilson was 10 of 15 in pass plays over 10 yards or more. The two pass plays that they completed on those, the one to Cortland Sutton, which was also caught by Montreal Washington somehow, and then the one to Jerry Judy on that final drive, who were, who was just wide open. I mean, I just I, – I don't know, Nick. I, I've hit the panic button on the Broncos, but I've also just hit the panic button on Russell Wilson. Like, I just don't know where he's at. And, and Nathaniel Hackett, panic button has been pressed. I mean, I, I, am, I am like so far in the panic. And that's not to say maybe they figure it out, right? Maybe they – they they have a long week off. Um, you know, some things can happen. Obviously, in the long week, maybe they they get some guys back. And Greg Dulcich and Michael Media, like I tweeted out, maybe Greg Dulcich fixes this entire offense because they finally have a tight end that they can throw the ball to. I I don't know, but it's also concerning, Nick, that they've lost now Javante Williams, yeah, right, Tim Patrick, mm-hmm. and Garrett Bowles. You could make an argument other than Russell Wilson, which. Russell Wilson may not even be on the list right now of, of top offensive players, but in, in terms of important players on this football team on offense, those three guys could be your, your top three guys. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And, and that was kind of the, the disheartening thing about watching Thursday night football, because first it was Ronald Darby in the first half yep. and then, uh, Josie Jewell, who has been, who has been playing, uh, you know, really well. I mean, he obviously had his moments against the Raiders, but he was playing uh, pretty well. And then it was uh, Baron Browning and then uh, Garrett Bowles was in the game. I was just like, man, can we can we wrap this game up before anyone else ends up on an injury report? But this is kind of like where the Broncos are at this particular point. And w- once again, I know you are having the summer of Georgia right now uh, with, with your panic button with uh, Nathaniel Hackett and uh, Russell Wilson. But, you know, I'm not going to hit it just yet because, one, I, I know what Russell is definitely capable of. And and, and, and my simple fixes for this offense, uh, I'm not in the building, but the, the, the fixes are really simple. George, all, all you have to do is go and ask your quarterback, what is it that you like to do? And put those plays uh, there for Russell Wilson because, you know, when you talk, you look, we're constantly having the same conversation. The routes are too deep. It's okay to have you know them sprinkle here and there, but it just seems as though every route that they're running is 12 to 15 yards deep. Our offensive line, especially on that right side, it isn't solidified just yet. Now Garrett is Garrett is out. That's going to put more pressure on them. Change up the routes. Build right. Stack your routes and build as you go. We can't have these deep development routes all the time. And then oh by the way. Then in the fourth quarter, Mike Boone gets in the game, and we're running, we're throwing screen passes, we're doing all these things, and I'm thinking of going, well, hold on, George. Where was that at the beginning of the game? Why do we wait so late to now make one of these heroic types of comeback? I mean, that makes no sense to me. I'm not hitting the panic button, but I'm going to hit my doesn't make sense button. I don't know if that's still equivalent to your panic button, but that's the button I'm going to hit today. I'm hitting all the buttons, Nick. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. It's like DEFCON. Is, what's the worst one? DEFCON 1? DEFCON 1. Yeah. yeah. Where, where I, think on, I, I think they're like DEFCON 3, but like okay. that's still like that's that's not good, <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially for week five. But yeah. uh, I, I want to dive into a little bit more of the offense here, Nick, in a bit. I, especially I think part of like 
I, I can't break down the play calling like you can. You, you definitely see the game better than I do, and that's interesting to hear about the the you know routes being too deep. I think there's something to that for sure. I think there's also an issue with some of the personnel, uh, and I want to dive into that in a second. Uh, but let's take a quick break, then we'll dive into um, the panic button, the Broncos, the personnel, and just the disaster that was last night. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, everybody, we're back from that quick break. Uh, and Nick, uh, in the one-minute break we had there, I, I have maybe calmed down a little bit, maybe not. Are you sure? Are you, are you positive? No, I'm not. I'm not, Nick. Uh, and here's why, Nick. Uh, here's my problem with the offense, just briefly, and I know people are probably maybe getting tired of hearing this, or maybe they're not. Maybe this is therapy for them. I don't know. Um, but I don't like some of the personnel decisions, and maybe that's something they can't fix right now because I think that some of the issues are, are things that they're going to have to fix in the offseason. And let me, let me explain to you why. I just don't think, Nick – that they have, and maybe they do, and maybe they're just not getting them the ball. I don't know if they have enough playmakers on this team. And what I mean by that is Cortland Sutton's been great. He's been a go-to guy. He's been Russell's man, and he was on that last play, right? He, he basically forced, forced him the ball there on that final play. But where is Jerry Judy? Where is K.J. Hamler? And I don't know if the answer well, – where are the tight ends? I mean, the tight ends, Nick, we've, we've talked about this for several weeks now. They, there is there are, there are no tight ends. Eric Saubert had a nice, had a couple nice catches. But again, that's not his game. Like, they need a playmaker down the middle that they can trust. And they don't have that. And I just, I think that's a big part of the issue is everybody's like, well, you know, Russell did it in Seattle with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Are any of these guys as good as DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett? I mean, you could argue... Cortland Sutton is probably in that category, but I don't think the Broncos have anybody else on their roster that's in that category. And then here's the other personnel problem. I don't think the offensive line is very good. And now that they lose Garrett Bowles, who I think was far and away their best offensive lineman at left tackle, I, I just I do not know how how they're going to get better. I mean, they, they, they need Quinn Miners to be back at right guard. Graham Glasgow has not been playing well. Uh, you've got Cam Fleming at right tackle. They really need Billy Turner. I guess it was a good sign. Billy Turner was active, but he didn't play. So we st we've still yet to see him. Uh, Lloyd, Lloyd Cushenberry is still just, I think, just sort of an average player right now at center. Dalton Reisner, I feel like, has not gotten a whole lot better since his, his rookie season. So I just, I look at that offensive line. I feel like they need to revamp it. And then I think they need to go out and get a couple more playmakers at receiver or tight end or, wherever because i just don't again there's 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 a lot of this that's on hackett there's a lot of this on russell and then i think there's a good chunk of it also on the the skill players and just the personnel on offense well well george you you, you said uh a lot there so let me see if i can, uh, <laughs> I can address all of it uh this first i've got start. a lot to say today nick yeah yeah, yeah 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 you do i've got uh, a lot of problems with you people yes uh <laughs> let's start with the offensive line uh, I, I would agree with you uh, on, on certain levels. That obviously, this offensive line is not the best offensive line in the league. And, and once again, when, you, when you're when coming off of a loss, I mean, everything is kind of magnified. 
So I don't want to feel as though I'm dumping on them. So I will not do that. But what I will say is, you know, the, the right side of that offensive line, it has been a problem for a while. Uh, this this is before Billy Turner even arrived here. Uh, finding uh, the proper right tackle is very difficult. A lot of teams struggle with that. And most of those guys never hit free agency. So you have to go out and draft and develop uh, that guy. But since, you know, we've had Graham Glasgow and, um, and it's been Cam Fleming over to that right-hand side. They have not played together well collectively. Let me start there. And then it was it was an excellent sight last night seeing Billy Turner uh, dressed up. But, I mean, he wasn't going to play. That's like, you know, your dad buying you a Bugatti saying, hey, George, this is a birthday gift for you. But he tells you you never can drive it, right? Yeah. What, what's, what's the joy and luxury in that? And that's kind of what it's like having Billy Turner. You can see him. Right. He's dressed, but we don't know what he's going to look like in a Broncos uniform because he hasn't really played. Now, when we go back to Lloyd Cushenberry. Well, once again, you know, Lloyd is not one of the top centers in this league. I think he's going to round into form, but he still is a young player still learning the game. So I don't think his game is that awful. Just like any other player, there are things that he can improve on, but he's not exactly where he needs to be. I mean, I'm not saying that he is regressing, but. We just need him to ramp up, you know, that just kind of the maturity part of who he is as a player. Dalton Reisner, there are certain parts of his game that you you watch it and you're like, yeah. And then other parts you're like, come on, Dalton, I need you to be better than that. And, and I, I say this because, you know, the system plays a major role in how players look from time to time, George. Just be totally honest about that. It's the yeah. system and it's the players themselves. And right now, that system, the system that's currently in – it's not gelling with these players because, you know, you have a lot of guys who are great firing off the ball. That's the great thing about being an offensive lineman. When you know it's a run play, you can fire off and hit the defender in the mouth. But when it's a pass play, now you have the mercy of the athleticism of the defensive player. So I would like to see these guys get outside the pocket, you know, move the pocket sometimes. It'll help Russell, but also it will force the defense to have to adjust and defend everything that you do. Because right now, George, when I watch this game, here's what I see. The Broncos line up, no matter, you know, when we're talking about the skilled players or not, and I'll get to that in, in a moment, but the way they line up, they make it easy for the defense to diagnose what they're going to do. Oh, they're not going to move. They're not going to shift. Okay, well, I know exactly what I need to do and where I need to be. And no, we don't have enough playmakers right now. And I know you're looking at Greg Dulcich as possibly being the savior of the Broncos. That's not going to happen. And here, and the reason it's not going to happen because guess what? We don't throw to our tight ends, George. Yep. Okay. It just really doesn't make a difference. Eric Salbert is not a bad tight end. Is, is he one of the elite tight ends in the league? No, he's not Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens. No, but he can be an efficient player if used properly. And that is the problem. We have to understand that we don't have elite athletes across the board. We have some good ones, but we don't have a bunch of elite ones. So now you got to sit down at the drawing board, George, and figure out how to use each player's unique skill set to create space for them to give them an opportunity to make plays. That is the nuts and the bolts. This is why you're smashing that panic button on that thing you're hacking because we are not getting that. It seemed like they're trying to be a team that they're not when they don't have an identity. And to me, the identity is in your locker room. 
It is take the plays and the skill set of the players and put it on the field and run it for them. You can't run the same thing that you ran with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, what Kyle Shanahan is running in San Francisco, what Sean McVay is doing with the Rams. No, we don't have that personnel. The idea is get the guys that you have and then put routes out there, schemes, combination to benefit their skill set. That's what coaching is. And it's frustrating for me. See, this is supposed to be your rant, but here it is. Now I'm ranting. See what you did, George? I see what you did. So, so being a defensive guy, this is how I see the game. But I, for the love of me, I don't understand why they're not piecing the things together as though they're looking at the product of the skilled players they have in their locker room. See what you did, George. I don't, I wasn't going to do that this morning. See, I'm going to blame you for this one. That sounded like a panic button being hit there. Uh, but from, from Mr. Ferguson, ah, come on, George. <laughs> um, I think you've got a lot of valid points, Nick, right? You look, here's a great example. What have the Eagles done with, with Jalen hurts? They have tailored their offense yes, and their whole scheme and, and what they're doing to what he can do. Because I can tell you, Nick, I covered Jalen at Oklahoma and I love him. I think he's one of the hardest workers in the NFL, but he's not uh, an, an elite quarterback in terms of his arm talent and some of the things that some of these top quarterbacks can do. Now he can do a lot of things out of the pocket and run the ball and, and, and certain things, but what they've done in Philadelphia is what the Broncos need to honestly a lot of teams probably need to do is they've taken their personnel they've won they've improved it right they got out good they went out and got good playmakers like AJ Brown but they've ever since they got Jalen they have tailored their personnel and what they're doing schematically to what they can do offensively with their players so that's what the Broncos need to do I think you're you're right on like we can sit here and and I can complain about the personnel and this and that and, and what players can and cannot do but the great coaches in this league adjust their play their play calling and what they're doing offensively and defensively to what their players can do and those are the best teams in the nfl right now so i think you're on to something there nick i think that 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 is something that needs to be fixed um nick let's dive into we've we've talked enough about the offense i think but let's dive into just the the hardships of playing on thursday night football um obviously the injuries piled up for both teams last night you saw multiple guys go out of the game uh i think that you've also seen across the league just bad football being played on thursday nights and it's because they have such little time to prepare i mean you think about it the broncos i mean they practice this week if you count a walkthrough as a practice but take me into just the difficulties of playing on thursday night football And, and i mean there's a lot of people out there saying that, you know, after last night, they should just stop playing Thursday night football because it's just a bad product most of the time. Well, I know uh, most people are blaming uh, Amazon Prime for bad football on Thursday night. You can't you can't blame them for the product on the field. They're just right. handling the production part of it. Uh, the playing part is up to the NFL, the players and the coaches to make sure that they're ready to go. And th- there are pros and cons to everything. Uh, the pro is you get that long layoff, almost like a second bye week after you play on Thursday night football. Now, the problem with the situation, there are more cons than there are pros. And from a coaching aspect, you don't have an, enough time to put in a game plan. So whatever game plan you had in the previous week, most likely you're going to run that game plan. Now, 
you have an opportunity to tweak a couple of things here and there and you walk through them in practice, but uh, walking through them in practice is a whole lot different than running through them in practice. So you can see them in real time because, you know, I'll I'll say this as a player when, when, and this is one of my problems with the Broncos uh, offense, when guys are standing still and not moving, I mean, it is easy to process and diagnose information. But once those guys start moving and moving around and now you're forced to talk and they're running full speed, it, it changes uh, so much for, for a team. And, and a lot of these teams, you know, not just the Broncos, but you play on Sunday. You, you were just beat up like three days ago. Just think about the Tua Tagovailoa situation. He played the Bills on Sunday, like last week, and then he played the Bengals like four days later. He gets pushed on the ground, same position. He bangs his head, concussion protocol, right? So these are the things that you have to worry. And remember, Russell threw that interception, and he tried to jump in the way the defender of Zaire Franklin, and he ended up into in a, in a tent. So even after that, I was wondering, okay, well, how was Russell doing mentally after that? I'm not saying it was the same situation as Tua, but it definitely made me think, well, was he was he dinged a little? I, I don't I don't know that. But these are the things that Thursday night football actually presents. And I want to see how the league is going to handle them moving forward, whether we're going to continue to have Thursday night football. Because listen, I love football, but could I do without Thursday night football? Yeah, I, I'll survive. We get we get college football on Saturday. And then we get football on Sunday and Monday. So this may this may have opened up a bigger conversation, not the conversation just about how bad Thursday night football is, but just the health and well-being of the players, George. Well, here's the problem, Nick, with that. And this is probably a larger discussion that we can discuss another day. But Amazon paid $13 billion for the next 11 years for Thursday night football. So I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. And like you said, I love football. It's great that I get to watch it on Thursday nights. But when you have this many injuries piling up every yeah. single every single week on these Thursdays, it's and, and, and they're severe injuries. I mean, Garrett Bowles, a, a broken leg, and I get it. That's part of football. Those things, that could have happened on any, any given Sunday, right? But like the concussions, I mean, you saw the Colts running back go out. You know, I think it was like yeah, Naheem Hines. Yeah, yeah. The, first, the first couple plays. Then you've got Russell Wilson in the tent, and you had the Tua stuff last week. It's like, is it worth it to put these guys out there? You know, three four days after just playing another game, and I don't think it is. So, and again, I'm not blaming the Broncos' loss on that. They have to be better, right? We've been over that. Yeah. Uh, but I do think there is some aspect to this that you could walk away and say, well. They didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare. They had a whole bunch of injuries that they were already trying to overcome. Then they have to overcome a lot more from the start of the game. Like you said, Ronald Darby, Josie Jewell, Baron Browning goes out at the end of the game, uh, right? Garrett Bowles goes down. I, I think that there's definitely an argument to be made that Thursday night football should be kind of questioned. The problem is I don't think it's going anywhere for a long time if someone's paying $13 billion. Because if we know one thing about the NFL, they like their money. Uh, and and that might be their top priority, even if they say it, the the safety of the players is. I I don't know if I buy that. No, George, yeah. I, listen, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, anyone who knows me knows that I don't like to eat asparagus, right? I don't like a lot of things that are are green unless it's money. And neither do but, I. But but if someone was paying me thirteen billion dollars to to eat uh, asparagus for the remaining of uh, my life, guess what? I'm eating damn yeah. asparagus. Yeah, I tell you that much. So. Exactly. That's that's a good point. Um, I do think football is better than asparagus, though. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, it is. I, yeah, I can attest to that. It's like eating. They're like, you can only eat pepperoni pizza for the rest of your life. All right. Sounds good to me. Uh, <laughs> all right, Nick, let's take a quick break and then let's dive into some of the good stuff. Uh, the defense. Um, and, and we'll also get into your your segment. Oh, really moments. And there's a lot of them for the Broncos. So let's take a quick break. Then we'll dive into that stuff. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from that quick break. And, uh, Nick, I want to talk about the only positive from this game, and that is the defensive side of the football. That's where you're an expert here. Um, your, your boy, Caden Stearns, had a couple nice plays, two interceptions. Um you know, Justin Simmons, pack your bags. No, uh, wait, 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 George. George. I'm joking, joking, joking. Oh, okay. Joking. I, mean, I know you uh, all gassed up for today, but uh, I do. I do think that there's 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 opportunity for them to maybe have some different packages with him in there. I mean, he's playing really good football. I also wonder too. Um, you know, <clears throat> do you play him over Kareem Jackson? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't think you do. But he's playing really good football, so he's got to find a way onto the field somehow. I think, but. Uh, Nick, just what were your thoughts on the defensive performance? I mean, I thought they were just incredible. Gave them every opportunity to win that football game. I think they ran out of a little bit of gas there at the end, right? The Colts yeah. get, go down, get the, the field goal to send it overtime, then they get one in overtime. But still, every opportunity to win that football game. Every opportunity, George, to win the football game. And, and I don't know about you, but I was wondering with Randy Gregory being out, okay, well, how was uh, the team going to respond on a short week from an emotional standpoint? And defensively, they responded well. I mean, it, it was to a point where Matt Ryan had no place to go because you had Bradley Chubb and you had Baron Browning doing just that, bearing down on, on him. And Matt Ryan's one of those quarterbacks. If you give him a little window, it's a little space, he's going to find the open receiver. And that's what he started to do down, down the stretch. And things kind of changed once Baron Browning left the game with a wrist injury. And I'm sure the offensive line for the Indianapolis Colts and Matt Ryan, you know, breathe a sigh of uh, relief uh, because of that. But Caden Stearns, yeah, man, he he, uh, he 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 showed up well. And I was really high on Caden when he came out of Texas uh, two years ago. And it's going to be an interesting conundrum that uh, Jure Arrow finds himself in once uh, Justin comes back. How do we get Caden Stearns on the field? I mean, he's been performing well. You just don't sit that guy on the bench. And, you know, we don't know how much time that Joji Jewell is going to miss, George. So they may be able to work something out where they find a way to get Caden Stearns on the field that way. But it, it still gives the Broncos an out because uh, Kareem Jackson is on uh, the last deal of his contract. And that may be a nice uh, transition not to move KJ out. But this is how the NFL actually works. So since Caden had those two interceptions, I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway just because of that. Um, here, here is the Thursday Night Football right here, courtesy of Amazon Prime, the turnover chain uh, for Caden Stern. So uh, I will accept this award on his behalf, George. There you go. Caden, uh, come get your chain. Yeah. Uh, it's the only thing you guys won last night. Wow. Wow. Oh, you shooting low. You shooting low, George. 
He deserves it. I will say he deserves it. He played great. Uh, yeah. I mean, he would have been the guy maybe on, on the Thursday night football panel after the game because um, I wouldn't have put an offensive player on there um, after after that performance. But look, man, the defense is really good. Uh, I think top to bottom, they've just got some really good players. I think Bradley Chubb, two and a half sacks last night. I mean, the dude is playing some of the best football of his career, and he's on a contract year, so good for him. Um, you know, he's playing, he's playing phenomenal. Uh, you look at DJ Jones, he might be the best signing they had in the off season. And they had some good signings in the off season. I mean, heck they, they traded for Russell Wilson. Uh, and I think DJ Jones is playing really good football. Um, you know, Draymond Jones is playing well, Baron Browning, moving him to outside linebacker, I think played great. I thought Nick Benito, I know he didn't show up on the stat sheet in terms of, of the sacks like Bradley Chubb and Baron Browning. But when he came in the game, he was solid. He got after the quarterback. He, he forced Matt Ryan out of the pocket a couple times. He played the run well. Um, I, I thought he came in and played well for a rookie that has you know, barely seen the field. And now he's going to see the field a lot, especially if Barron is out now for a while. But uh, then you look at the linebackers. I thought Josie was playing well. I thought Alex Singleton actually came in and played really well. He's super physical. Uh, the secondary remains you know, phenomenal. Pat Sertan was great again last night. It seemed like they just didn't throw the ball his way a whole lot, uh, which is probably smart by them. Uh, you know, Damari Mathis, I wanted to ask you about him. He comes in for Ronald Darby, and they, they targeted him. It was very clear they went after him a few times. And I thought he held his own, and he gave up some plays here and there. And that's going to happen with a rookie. But I thought Damari Mathis really came in and, and played good football. Yeah, you know, he, he is one of those uh, young rookie bright spots. And uh, he had his moments both up and down. Uh, there was one moment in the game, I think he was uh, covering Alex Pierce, uh, who had a great, great night for himself for the Colts, which I thought was going to be an interception. This was right after Russell had turned the ball over and yeah. Matt Ryan threw right to Alex Pierce. And I was like, oh, that's an interception. And I was like, no, it's not an interception. And the one thing that I would talk to Damari about is the fact that this isn't college football. So a receiver can get up and run. And I think that's where he thought he was still back at Pittsburgh because, you know, uh, Pierce caught the ball and he he was just kind of throwing his hands up in frustration. And you saw the veteran guy, Alex Singleton, run over and tag him down because Nick Bernino was in the frame too. And neither one of those young guys thought to tag the receiver down before he got up and tried to run. So this is where the learning curve is still taking place for both of those players. Did Nick Benito go out there and, and get on, get himself on the stat sheet? No, but he, he made game altering plays. And what I mean by that, just being a little disruptive, but it, it, it had come with it. And he, he looked a little gas as, as expected, because I'm sure he'd anticipate playing as much as he did. But to me, this is why once again, George, I go back to this, uh, the, the, the Broncos are two and three. This is why I'm not in a panic mode because I just look at certain things on this roster and say, well, certain things can be fixed. The personal aspect that we spoke of earlier, as far as having impact players on the offensive side of the ball, you really can't fix that right now. You just fix that with scheme. But the one thing that we do know is that this is a top five defense that we're looking at with the Denver Broncos. Once again, it's just like, can they continue to survive the season without losing more guys? That's where the battle starts for them. Yeah, and Nick, Nick, let me ask you this, because I asked Bradley Chubb this last night, and I think it's an interesting question because a lot of these guys have been through this before on the defensive side of the football, right? They've had yeah. good defenses in recent history. 
They've put together performances that are good enough to win football games, oftentimes more than good enough to win football games. And still, they still somehow lose because the offense can't get it, can't get it together, right? They can't score. So I asked Bradley last night, when does the frustration start to set in? Do, do you get frustrated with the offense? I know the defense always goes out there and says, well, we can always play better. You know, we can always hold them to zero points. And that's a great mentality to have. Right. But man, it's got to be frustrating. Walk And, and Bradley's never going to get up there and, and throw people under the bus. And none of those guys are, I don't, I don't think. But there's got to be some level of frustration for these guys, that, especially these guys like Bradley Chubbs. And I know Justin Simmons hasn't played, but Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, some of these guys that have been here in Denver the last few years, I mean, at some point they've just got to be like, man, like what more can we do to help this football team win games? If there is a guy who I'll say George is, is frustrated, uh, I, I would definitely say Justin Simmons, right? Yeah. Because when you look at some of the guys on this roster, he is still one of the one. He's not the longest tenured guy, but he, he's been on the roster and with the organization for a long enough period of time where he has no idea what what a postseason game is like. He has no idea, right? And for him to have played on teams where the defense was pulling their fair share of the weight, they just didn't see that same thing happening being reciprocated by the offense. It is frustrating, right? Because that was the idea of why the Broncos went out and gave up as much draft capital to acquire Russell Wilson because they were going to bring him in and he was going to be that main fixture that changed some of the outcomes in that dialogue. And it just hasn't really happened just yet. And once again, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. When you listen to Russ, he he says the same thing. Nathaniel Hackett says the same thing as far as, hey, it's going to happen. It hasn't happened right now, but they have faith and belief that it's going to happen. And, Broncos country is getting a little restless. Obviously, you, you described, you know, uh, from, from the entire show how restless you are and how frustrated you are. And listen, I am frustrated too. I am frustrated too. I want Justin Simmons to realize what it's like to play in his first playoff game. But the only way that can happen, George, is those guys in that room, they get together. Now, how often uh, will you get results after having a players-only meeting? I can't really say because it's all different from uh, different teams, but whatever they need to do over this, this uh, next week until they get prepared to play the Chargers on Monday Night Football, they need to get together and do it because uh, Broncos country can't stand you know more of this being the same way. Great defense, offense, and eh, so-so. Yeah, I, I just can't imagine these. some of these guys are you know just – Look, I, you know, Bradley said after the game, he goes, we, we trust the offense. They're going to figure it out. We, we know they're going to figure it out. But, you know, they've been saying that for years. At some point, I just think the frustration, especially if they if they lose next week, man, like you're sitting at two and four expectations are low. And it's just a, I don't know, man, like I think eventually the frustration is going to set in. So it's going to be interesting to see how the defense handles that, because I think there's going to be games going forward that the defense is going to play great again. And it's going to be on the offense. Can the offense figure it out uh, and win them some football games? And I just don't know the answer to that yet, Nick. So um, I don't know. But let, let's dive into some oh really plays, Nick, and then let's get out of here. Uh, what is your 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 first oh really play or, or your only real oh really play? I don't know. I have probably like ten oh really plays from this game. Well, I'll start out with uh, special teams. Uh, McManus having that field goal blocked. That was my I mean, first one. 
Yeah. Oh, oh, real. Oh, really? <laughs> so, so yeah, that happened, and I was like, "Wait a minute, what's going on?" I, I thought that was an easy chip shot. That's not sixty-two yard field goal in Seattle. Why is it that guys up front cannot make their block? But it just once again, there's there's always something, and that's been the problem with the Broncos all season long. It's always hashtag. It's always something. Yeah, man. And in a game like that, you can't have that happen, right? And you look at the final score, um, and I think the Broncos probably win that game uh, if if he makes that field goal, right? Um, right? If that's not blocked, they probably win the game because I don't think the Colts were ever going to get in the end zone um, at the end of the game. So I, I think that, you know, that's that's a massive play in that game. Uh, my O'Reilly, my other O'Reilly, is uh, honestly both of Russell Wilson's interceptions, but really the second one, uh, where I'm like, it's another situation where it's a bad throw by Russell. Um, it was a bad decision. But my really is to Nathaniel Hackett. Why are you throwing the ball there? Hey, there's two minutes. I think it was two minutes and 19 seconds left. The Colts were burning up their timeouts. Worst case scenario, Nick, you're kicking a field goal, going up six, and all you have to do is keep it out of the end zone, which you've done the whole game. So you're either you're either running the ball – and here, here's, here's, here are the scenarios, Nick. I put it in my head. I said, you're running the ball. You're either going to burn some clock, make them use their timeouts. You have to kick a field goal. Maybe, maybe worst, worst, worst case scenario is Melvin Gordon fumbling the ball, right? But yeah. he was he was holding on to that thing. We haven't even talked about Melvin Gordon. He was holding on to that thing for dear life last night. You could tell he was squeezing that ball. So I don't think he was fumbling it. And so I'm just like, what is the what is the thought process there? to even throw the football. And then for Russell to take that shot, it's like, what are you doing, dude? That you don't need that. You don't, you know, it just, it was, it was baffling. And, and I just, uh, that was probably my biggest, oh, really, other than the field goal being blocked. Well, what's interesting about that particular play when he threw that interception to Stephon Gilmore, you know, Tyree Cleveland was in for Cortland Sutton, mm-hmm. right? That's the same side Sutton yep. would have been on. So once again, even though Sutton has performed handsomely uh, over the, the season so far, everyone knows, okay, well, that's Russell go-to guy. I mean, now you need ball distribution. Are you you're a basketball fan, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So just thinking about this, you get the point guard, guard who's coming down the court, but he's only giving it to one guy, right? It's almost like Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray running the pick and roll. Hey, man, there are other guys on the floor. It would be great if you try to get them involved too as well. So to me, that's what happened on that particular play. And it wasn't Cortland Sutton. And you had Tyree Cleveland. So you were trying to force a ball into Ty- Tyree Cleveland. And maybe Russell was just a little late on that throw. But I'm thinking Cortland's off the field. You have Tyree Cleveland, who hasn't really shown that he can catch a lot of balls. No disrespect to him. But that's just being, you know, keeping it real. Find someone else on the field. That would have been an excellent opportunity to throw to who? Guess what? Our tight ends. But that's not how it worked out. Yeah. I. You know, you bring up basketball. I wonder who's more cooked, Russell Westbrook or Russell Wilson at this Ooh. point. And, and I'm a big wow. Russell Westbrook guy. Being from Oklahoma, that's my wow. guy. But uh, wow. he's he's struggling out there. But, uh, Nick, do you have any other oh, really moments or do you want to get out of here? This, this felt like a uh, – a, a, a great podcast, but also a disaster of a podcast in terms of well, just the, the 
stuff we talked about. Well, the uh, the oh, really moment, of course, is, is the fourth and one. You can't get any bigger than yeah. that, right? I mean, if you're going to go forward in that situation, could we not have had a more creative play? Getting Russell out of the pocket, maybe a sprint out, something getting him on the move, opposed to having him sit behind an offensive line that was kind of spotty throughout the game. So, you know, not really going forward or putting your best foot forward in that particular situation was definitely, oh, really, for me. Yeah, just hand the ball off. Hand uh, it off. You know, uh, what do you think, quickly, what do you think of uh, K.J. Hamler's reaction after the game? I don't know if you saw the video of him slamming his helmet there. Well, what did you think of that? I mean, that, that was a guy who has who, who is, uh, fought his tail back to get back on the field. Mm-hmm. And uh, he worked really hard to get open, and he felt as though, just like most receivers, I'm open, throw me the ball. Uh, I would have won the game based on that. Obviously, it's a team game, but that was a guy who was definitely frustrated. And when he was asked a question, uh, his face right said it all. It's almost like someone took a sharpie and wrote it on his face because he was trying to he was trying to pause to make sure that he didn't say something that he would regret. But trust me, once he got in the car. He said everything he needed to say. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of Broncos fans did last night. Um, I also let him hear at the game. I would say there was a lot of booze again last night, but yeah. all right, Nick, well, let's get out of here. Um, you know, I'm sure I'll, I'll take a chill pill this weekend. And uh, you know, when we get back to it next week, I'll be, you know, I'll take my hand. Maybe I'll take my hand off the panic button or maybe I'll have some solutions for people because right now I feel like I'm offering zero solutions to fixing this Broncos team. But uh, Nick, uh, thanks for joining me again. Uh, thanks for listening to my rant. Thanks for ranting yourself. That was great. That was great stuff. Oh, you, you, no, you, 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 you pulled me in. That's yeah, that's you my goal. Yes. I've been, I've been wanting to break you. This is, I think episode 11, you know, it took 11 episodes to break you finally. So ah, that's what it was. <laughs> so uh, thanks everyone listening to touchdown Denver. Make sure you guys like subscribe, send it to your mom, send it to your dad, send it to your brother, your sister, send it to all your family members uh, and make sure that they listen too. So thanks for everybody tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>